If anyone's got any questions, if they want to hand in, why, just uh, push them out on up, let some child bring them or whatever you want to. Or maybe if we get through, I've, I've got about six here on one page, and then here, then we got two over there. Now, we're, we want to find out, the reason we do this is to find out what's on the people's mind, what they're thinking about. See, that's what makes a good, strong church. You've got to have the, the times just like you uh, got to comb the cuckaburs out, you know, and everything, get all the, the things out of the way so that you can uh, move steadily. So now, that's the reason we have question night once in a while, is to find out, now, if there's any questions that, now, this time I kind of opened it up way wide, and I said, I used to be, I'd say, now, if anybody, just anything pertaining to, to Scripture, answer it. Ask it. Thank you, brother. And um, I said, uh, just anything pertaining to a Scripture, answer it. See, uh, we'd answer it. But tonight I said, you know, then they come around and say, Brother Bill, ask me a question. Do you think if, if so-and-so did a certain, certain thing, is that Christianity? <laughs> well, that's kind of pushing off on somebody. But I said let them have that tonight. See, that's all right. So we can just find out if there's any pushing to them down. <laughs> oh, I, I, I really feel good tonight. Mowed grass all afternoon, so I really feel good. Out in the hot sun. We got a, a meeting coming up pretty soon now. Don't forget, August the 23rd at the stadium in Chicago to September the 5th. Expect a great time in the Lord there. And it's being advertised everywhere now in all the different papers. It's packed that we expect a great time. Now, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, I think, on one page here. And it all kind of pertains in the same thing back in, in the book of Genesis. <clears throat> now, at first, the Genesis 126, or 126 to 28 is where the, the person with the, the asked what it would be, what the, what the, I mean, asked the question, pardon me. And we want to read that first. And uh, they've got it wrote out here. If you want to follow it right back, it's all right. It said, God created man, male and female, created he them. See? And then on the next, he's got Genesis, or he or she, one. He's got Genesis 2, 7. He formed man out of the dust of the earth. That's another place. I'll read them all so we can get them together here so you can see. Now, the first, the first, phase of this is now that God created man, male and female, created man, male and female. Now, that's, I think, the first point. Now, in Genesis 2, 7, he says, he formed, underscored, the person created, he's got them, he's got that underscored, and he formed, underscored, man out of the dust and breathe into his nostrils, and so forth. Now, what is the difference, or where is the connection in the above scriptures? Now, this is, if you've got it wrote down, Genesis 1, 26 to 28, and Genesis 2 and 7. Now, it's a very touchy thing, and I, I may not, I just have my own idea of it, so I'll just give it to you the way that I feel that it is. And if you're different, well, that's fine. I want to compliment Brother Neville on the fine answers he give to those questions there. Now, we're fine. Now, in this Genesis 126, God made man 
in his own image. And if you'll notice, we'll get it so you can read it. And um, 26. If you'd like to read along with us, we'd be glad for you. Or you do it, check me up. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowls of the air, over the cattle of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. That, I've heard that discussed many times around the world. Discussions come up on that. Now, in Genesis 2 and 7, watch what he did here. All right? Here it is. And God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, what kind of formation, the, the questioner wants to ask, what connection does this Genesis 1.26 have with Genesis 2 and 7? God created two men. And which was the man and which, what connection does that have? What, how does it connect up in the scripture? Well now, if you'll notice close now, in Genesis 1.26, let's skip the first part first. God said, let us. Now let us, us is a, uh, let us make man in our own image are, of course, he realized he's talking to someone. He was speaking to another being. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the cattle of the field. If you notice in creation, <coughs> the first thing that was created, of course, was life. And come on down through the creation, the last thing that was created was what? A man. And woman was made after man. All right, the first, last thing that's created of God's creation is mankind. But when God made his first man, if you notice, he made him in the likeness of himself. He was made in the image of God. And what is God? Now, if we can find out what God is, we can find what kind of a man he made. Now, in St. John, the fourth chapter, and... Uh, uh, you read this, Jesus speaking to the woman, and um, if you would like to turn to it, I, not having much time, I just didn't um, write them right down, I just have to take it by memory, and you look them up now, if I can find it right quick. Now, let's begin about the fourth chapter and the uh, 14th verse. And whosoever drinks of this water that I shall give unto him shall never thirst. And be well as the water spring up into everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I come out here to draw. Jesus said, Go and call thy husband. The woman answered, I believe we have to get a little above that now to find out. Find out what, what I want to see here. Maybe not. Maybe I can find it on down here. I want, I want to see. What say? 23rd and 24th verse. All right? Ye worship. That's it. Ye worship and you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And that's right. See? But the hour cometh. But the hour cometh and now is 
that the true worshipers, Jew or Gentile, shall worship uh, the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Now the next verse is where I want. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, if God created man in his own image and in his own likeness, what kind of a man did he create? A spirit man. Now, if you'll notice, after he had made all the creation and created a spirit man, in close reading of this, now to the one that asked the question, we'll find this, that God gives dominion of the cattle and the fishes and everything to the man. But... In his making up there, he made man in his own image to lead the cattle, lead the beasts of the field, just like the Holy Spirit leads the believer today. See, he was, uh, in other words, Adam, the first man in the lower creations of God, the first creation was God himself, then out of God came the Logos, which was the Son of God. Then out of the Logos, which was the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Out of the Logos came forth the, the man. All, I've got a beautiful picture in my mind now. If you could take a little trip with me. I believe I've talked on it before, but to get this to the place where you'd be sure to see it. Now, let's take a little trip and go... Uh, back for a little while. Now, don't think about how hot it is. Let's get our minds right on what we're going to talk about. And think now, let's go back a hundred million years before there ever was a star, moon, or anything in the world. Now, there was a time when there was nothing here. It's just all forever and eternity. And all of ever and eternity was God. He was there in the beginning. Now, let's go out here on the edge of this banister and look over and see these things happen. Now, no man has seen the Father at any time. No man can see God in the bodily form because God is not in body form. God is a spirit. See? All right, no man has seen the Father. But the only begotten of the Father hath declared him, First John, see? Now, but notice, now there's nothing. It's just space, there's no light. There's no dark. There's no nothing. It just seems nothing. But in there is the great supernatural being, Jehovah, God who covered all space of all places at all times. He was from everlasting, from everlasting. He is the beginning of creation. That's God. Can't see nothing. Can't hear nothing. Not a move of an atom in the air. Not nothing. Not no air, no nothing. But yet God was there. That was God. Now let's watch for a few minutes. And after a while, no man has seen that. Now that's the Father. That's God the Father. Now notice, then after a while, I begin to see a little sacred light begin to form. Like a little halo or something. You can only see it by spiritual eyes. So look now while we're looking. The whole church now, we're standing on a great big banister watching what God's doing. We'll get right down to this question here, and you'll see how he brings it in. Now, no one has seen God, and now the next thing we begin to see, by eyes of supernatural looking, we see a little white light forming out there. What is that? 
That was called by Bible readers logos, or the anointed, or the anointing, or the, the I would go to say the the part of God begin to develop into something so human beings could have some type of an idea what it was. It's a little low, a little light moving. He that was the word of God. Now God gave Himself birth to this son, which was before there was even an Adam in the to be or heir to make an Adam. That was see Jesus said, Glorify me, Father, with the glory that we had before the foundation of the world. See? Way back in yonder. Now in Saint John one he said, In the beginning was the Word. When it be first and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God unfolding Himself down to a human being. Now watch how He did it. Now, back there then, when this little halo comes out, we can't see nothing yet, but just by eyes of just supernatural, we see a halo standing out. Now that's the Son of God, the Logos. Now, I can see him playing around like a little child before the Father's door with all eternity. See? And I then in his imaginary makeup, he began to think of what things would be. And I can hear him say, let there be light. And when he did, an atom bursted and the sun came into existence. She whirled for hundreds of millions of years, forming clinkers and burning and forming like it is today. Still burning, still breaking atoms. If the atomic bomb would ever get let loose, the atomic chain would take, this earth would be like the sun, yonder, just bursting and blowing. And if you could stand over on another continent and look off this, it would look like another sun, where the atoms was burning this earth. If that chain would ever get let loose and it just start turning, whirling like that. Millions and millions of miles leaps these big flames of billions of Fahrenheit. Of, of, of heat it goes off that sun now watch this now beautiful now he made the sun then the first thing you know a big clinker fell off of it weighed about just about like this earth went and then this low gosh here now the son of god is watching it he lets it fall for a hundred million years and he stops it then another one flies off he lets it fall for millions of years then stops it. Now we're standing watching it come into existence. Now he's got something in his mind, and what's he doing? He's writing his first Bible. The first Bible that man ever looked to was the stars, the zodiac. And it's a perfect, just to dovetail with this Bible here. It starts off the first of the zodiac is the virgin. Is that right? The last of the zodiac is what? Leo the lion. That's the first coming of Jesus. He came to a virgin. The second he comes is the line of the tribe of Judah. See? He wrote all out the cancer age and everything down to. Now, he put that all in the sky and placed it out. All these meters, pieces of earth, or sun hanging off here. Now, when science goes to look at those missiles that fall, that don't disprove God. That just proves it to me. <laughs> that just makes it more real. Now, now notice. All these missiles hanging out there, waiting out a hot sun and going out through the air force, they collected and first thing you know it began this iceberg. Now that was this earth coming into existence. 
Just a big old piece of cinder flew off out there. Down beneath it now is nothing but a turning, burning volcano completely. The eruptions come everywhere, volcanics. And science claims that at this world is the crust on top of it where we live is just about like the peeling on an apple. And all the, now if it's 25,000 miles around, it's probably 8,000 miles. That'd be approximately 8,000 miles thick. And just think of in there, it's a burning volcano. And two-thirds of the earth, better than two-thirds of it, is in water. And one-third of it is in land. About one-third. And this look at this crust that we're living on is full of dangerous explosives. Gas, gasoline, oils, everything. Is that right? And two-thirds of it, better than two-thirds of it, water. What is the form of water? Two parts of hydrogen and one part of oxygen. Explosives. There's enough electricity in every room to separate the heat from the cold, and it'll make enough electricity to burst the room. You can put enough atoms in a golf ball to blow New York off the face of the earth. And then man, sitting on a pot of hell, hits himself in the chest and defies God's word and says, there's no such a place as hell. I got that down here in a little bit. We're going to get through that. See? You're sitting on a big pot of it every day. And while you're here, you're sitting right on it. Hell's just beneath you. And now, notice but now when this was first found, when Jesus, now watch the little halo yonder. Now I can see it move out to this earth and get over the top of it and begin to move it over here close to the sun. It's nothing but a big ball of ice. And when it begins to get melting, then great big glaciers begin to cut through up in the Northlands and come down. And when it did, it cut out Kansas and Texas and all them places there and went on into the Gulf of Mexico. And the first thing you know, the whole thing was covered with water. Then, now we get in Genesis 1. We get to the Bible now. Out of our picture to Bible. Genesis 1. The world was without form and void, and water was up on the face of the deep. Is that right? And the Spirit of God moved up on the water. Now, he separated the water, brought up the hills and the lands and so forth, dried off vegetation and everything he made in. He made the moon and set its boundaries of the sea so it could not pass. He got all those things together, made plantae, made all... The other things, all the animal life, the birds, the bees, the monkeys, and whatever it was, put them all here on earth. And then he asked this question now. Let us, who father and son, make man in our own image. Now, if a man was made something like that little sacred light down there, or something like that that could not be seen, which is a spiritual being, he manifested or unfolded himself a little more to make a trinity of himself, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And here was God unfolded himself, now down in, let us make man, which was his son, an offspring from him, man in our own image. He was a supernatural being. And let him have dominion over the cattle of the field and so forth. Now the man led the man, led the the, the cattle and everything, just like the Holy Spirit leads a real true believer today. The voice of God out there, the voice of man, rather, would speak and say, call the cattle this way, call the sheep over to this pasture, call the fishes to this water. See, he had dominion. Everything obeyed him. Now, but then there was no man to till the soil. Genesis 2. No man to till the soil, and then God formed man, Genesis 2, 7, out of the dust of the earth. Now he followed, he formed man out of the dust of the earth and put this supernatural spirit. 
Now, I was laying there. I can have many pictures of it. I can see Adam standing. Let's take this way. See him standing like a tree. God had made him. He's as dead as he could be. His toes like the roots sticking in the ground. And God said, Let there be or breathe the breath of life into him. And he jumped. Came to himself. He was a breathe of breath of life into him. He became a living soul. Now, and he began to move on. Move on. And then God taken from his side a piece of him, a rib, and made a woman. Now where did he get the spirit woman? See? When he Genesis 1, 26, he said, Let us make man in our own image, after our long own likeness, created he them, man, male and female. He made the burly spirit for a man. He made the tender little delicate feminist spirit for the woman. And when you see a woman act like a man, she's got to have her place, you see, in the beginning. See? All right, she's supposed to. I think it's a shame that women has lost their dainty, feminist place. It's a disgrace. I tell you this. It's, you know, I'm going to say this. I'm not talking about you women here. But, of course, if it hurts, it just does. But look, let me ask you something. It used to be that women were so feminist to a man to go to talking to him and they'd blush. <laughs> what is blushing anyhow? I haven't seen it in so long, I wouldn't know what it was if some woman blushed. They haven't got any of that dignity anymore. All that their fine feminist spirit. They're just sick and they wear clothes like a man, cut their hair like a man, smoke like a man, drink like a man, cuss like a man, vote like a man, work like a man, so become rough, burly. Oh my, that shows where you've got to. That's exactly... That little lady, like, you don't see her much more. She's a hard person to find. Isn't that right? Yes, that's the truth. So a woman is not supposed to stand up and act like a man big and burly because she's dainty. God made her that way. I can prove that by the Scriptures. Yes, sir. That's right. And, uh, but of course, to get off this question, but I don't want to get too many off this question, but see, there's where he made his first man was in his own image, and then God, before there even was a star, knew that this world would be, and he knew that I'd be William Branham, preaching the gospel from the pulpit, and you'd be John Doe sitting there listening to it before the world ever began. Hallelujah. Now, that's where people sometimes in the, the legalists and Calvinists Get all mixed up, see? They say, well, why was some ordained to be uh, lost? God's not willing that any should perish. He don't want no one to perish. But yet, being God, he knows there's some that won't accept it. See? See? He's got, uh, he had to know the end from the beginning in order to be God, didn't he? So he knew he was going to have some women, so he just made their spirit right there. The Bible said he did in Genesis 1.26. He created he, him, man... In a prefigure, male and female. Amen. Amen. <laughs> See? In a prefigure, he made the woman and the man before they was ever formed out of the dust of the earth. And then God made the man, not in his own image. This body's not in the image of God. This body's in the image of beast. 
Can I take off my coat? It's getting hot here. I got a tour shirt on, but you won't notice that. Well, I told him, Jesse didn't come get the laundry, so. But look, we're on a subject here now that means more than a tour and shirt in the pulpit, doesn't it? It means eternal life. Now, notice, man, God knew in the beginning that he was going to have man and women, and he knew that the Savior would be here and he'd have to set, bring Jesus and he'd be crucified. And Jesus told the disciples when he was here on earth that he knew them even before the foundation of the world. Before the world ever come into existence. And God said also, or Paul speaking in Galatians, said that he ordained us and called us in him before the world was ever formed. Think of that. That God... Anybody like to hear what the Scripture says about that? Raise your hands if you would write on the question. Get with me to Galatians, the first chapter. Look here. I don't mean Galatians, I mean Ephesians. Listen closely now. What God said, Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ for the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Jesus Christ, grace be unto you in peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, I hear it, notice, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's not pretty good, that's real good. Before there was a foundation of the world, God knew Armand Neville. And knew that he'd preach the gospel. Isn't that wonderful? As cho- well, he's a member of the church. And God knew he was going to have that church. And he said, Paul was speaking to the church of Ephesus that he has chosen us in him. Now, we're all the members of the body of Christ. Is that right? And God, before the world was ever formed, chose you and I in him before the world ever formed. Wow, isn't that wonderful? Now, the first man, now he made the first man in his image, and we are returning back to that image. Amen. That's right. To our first creative image. When God created me, William Branham, I was before the foundation of the world. He made my being, my spirit. I wasn't conscious of anything as far as I know of. But the, I was there. Oh, I don't believe you're getting it, but now just a minute. Jesus told the disciples that he knew them before the foundation of the world. And Paul said here that he chose us in him before the world began. Now, there was some part of me, Armand Neville, and the rest of you all here that's in Christ Jesus before the world ever began. And here's to my analysis of that. I think that the people today that are possessed with this spirit are the spirit a part of these angelic beings, spirits which rotated off of God, that never fell in the beginning and resisted the devil's lie in heaven, and two-thirds of the earth is in sin and more than that, which two-thirds of the angels is kicked out. And those demon spirits come into people and habitate their bodies. See what I mean? There are demons that once they was once existed, 
and they come into the people and give them a nature. Jesus cast seven of them out of Mary Magdalena. Pride, boast, big people, you see, unclean, filthy, vulgarity, immolation, strife, all these things, see. Them were spirits that was made up back there when God began to make man off there in his own image, create those supernatural beings, those spirits. And then he put man in the dust of the earth, which was the first man, Adam. And that man was made after the image, this human man here, is made after the image of an animal. These human bodies are made in the image of animals. We got a hand just like a monkey. And, and got a foot like a bear. Take a little cub bear, strip him down, pull the skin off of him, and put up beside a little baby girl and look at the difference. Now, brother, you sure have to look close. The whole diaphragm, the makeup, is almost the same, the way it's made, the form of it, and everything, just exactly. It's in the image of animal life because he was made something on the order of the animal because that was his duty to lead the animal. And you take the Holy Spirit off of a man, he's lower than the animal. He's worse than the animal. That's a hard thing to say. But you take a man that's unregenerated in his mind without the Holy Spirit to direct his thoughts and, and things like that, he would throw a baby out of a mother's arms and ravish her for beastly lust. That's exactly. And a woman that's no good, you take an old mother hog or an old dog, we give her all kinds of names for her, but her morals are just her puppies and the hog for her piggies, but a honorary no good account woman is just, it's just filth all the time. That's right. So remember that you are without Christ, your morals are can drop down to below a dog. That's right. The dog don't have to wear clothes to cover itself. No other animal. It was man that fell, not the animal life. But the animal life being under the man, human life was subject to it because man was his guide and his supreme leader. And every beast of the field fears a man. Somebody's asked me sometimes about hunting. Are you afraid of why every animal they ever create fears a man? Because that's got to be from the beginning back under. See? Sure is. You run, he'll run at you. <laughs> that's right. But a dog or anything you want to. All right. But now notice. Now that man, when he come down here, now look. Here you say now. What about it now, Brother Branham? Now here you get God just exactly and between the oneness and trinity, you'll get the thing just exactly right now. Now look, when God dropped, unfolded himself, unfolded himself down, till he come down to this man, now man seeing not in his spirit, but in his body, lust, patience. Then when he sinned, he separated himself from his maker, and then God, the Logos, the very creator of him, came down and was made in the image of man. Man was made in the image of God, and then he was made in the image of beast, and he fell, and God came down in the image of man, in the man Christ Jesus, to suffer pain. God could not suffer pain in the spirit. How could he suffer physical pain in the spirit? He couldn't do it. 
So God unfolded himself and was made in the image of man to redeem the man that was lost. Amen. See? And then God suffered in the flesh. First Timothy 3.16, without controversy, that's argument, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifested in the flesh. Yes. Seed of angels, preached on, and believed and received up to the right hand of the Father. Is that right? Amen. God himself came down and lived in a human body and suffered temptation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Amen. See what love is? The love of God. Now, I think that would get that man and woman. Now, a woman is... Let me get this in right good now so you can see Woman is subject to her husband. And the Bible said that a man should rule over his wife. But how they change that? The woman rules over the man. Uh, you stay home, John, you're not going. That settles it. Yes, my dear. See? But let me tell you something, mister. You are going to have to answer for your wife. Amen. But your wife is never going to have to answer for you. You are the head of the woman. Amen. And God is the head of man. Therefore, he said, let the man cut his hair because of Christ. And let the woman have her hair. For if she cuts her hair, she dishonors her husband. See? See what I mean? By what the scripture says? I had a hot one on that down the other day at Shreveport. It's all about women who wish women wear long hair. And I said, a woman had bobbed her hair, her husband had a right, and a Bible right to divorce her. That's right. That's what the Bible says. That's exactly right. All my Holy Ghost women sitting there, just the way they've been taught, that's all. Just that slipped loosely. And uh, uh, he said, now, if they would cut it, if there's something wrong, they have cut there. So let her take a razor and shave it all off and make her hair real slick until it comes out of her head. That's right. That's what the scripture says. It says, if she cuts her hair, she dishonors her husband. And a woman that's dishonorable has a legal right to be put away in divorce. But he can't marry again now. But he, but he can put her away in divorce. That's right. That's scripture. Oh, brother, what we need some question now. Amen. That's right. That's 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, if you want to read. All right. Now, that, that, now this woman, God, God created man, male and female. You see what he done? He made the man. He made, now, that's the first question. See? Created he them, and so forth. Genesis 1.26. Genesis 2.7. He formed man out of the dust of the earth and breathed into his nostrils. What is the difference or, or where is this connection in the above scripture? What connection does the first man have with the second man? The first man is the second man made manifest in five senses. See? Yeah. Now, you can't, you can't touch God with your hands like that. You can't see God with your eyes. He didn't give it to you to do that. You're, did you ever hear an old saint dying when he said, There's mother. I haven't seen her for years. Did you ever hear that? When people... See what it is? These eyes are fading away, and his supernatural eyes are setting in, see? And then sometimes if, we, if God so makes, we see visions where that natural eye fades away right in front of us when you're looking right straight, and there's a vision before showing the supernatural things of God. Amen. See what I mean? So then um, look, 
when this earthly tabernacle here, now some of you women and men here are getting old. Look, when this earthly, I think of old dad, they're 92 years old. When this earthly tabernacle is dissolved, there is a spiritual man, a spiritual body waiting for us, which cannot perish. I'll see you there. I won't, I can't touch Brother Neville in, in, up there. Both John saw him. There were souls under the altar crying, How long, Lord, how long? You know how we went through Revelation. And how that in there they desired to return and be clothed upon with mortal bodies. They were crying, How long, Lord? Now, they knew each other, but they couldn't talk, shake hands, or I bet they could talk, but they couldn't shake hands and so forth. Here's the image of proof. When the witch of Endor called up the spirit of Samuel and Saul looked at him, he recognized him to be Samuel. And Samuel recognized Saul and said, Why did you call me out of my rest? Seeing that you become the enemy of God and God's departed from you. Is that right? There stood old Samuel with his prophet's robe on and he looked at him. He was in the suit. The witch seen him and fell on the ground and said, I see God's raising up out of the earth. He said, Why did you disturb me? And he said, well, I don't know how the battle is going. He said, tomorrow you will die in battle and his sons would, and this time tomorrow night you'll be with me. See? Now, he was conscious, and he looked just like he did when he was here on earth to that witch that was standing looking at him and saw. Now, notice, many times, how about dad or mother when they were dying and saw their loved ones standing there? They recognized them. But it's in a supernatural body. But now here's the glorious part. On the return of Jesus at the resurrection, it won't be that body, that body then, that supernatural being that God created in the beginning, that will return to the earth to get another body, not born by a woman, but created by God, hallelujah, to never get old or have a wrinkle, never have a gray hair in your head, but be perfect forever. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, that made me shout on a hot night. <laughs> That's right. Oh, this robe of flesh, I'll drop and rise and seize the everlasting prize. Amen. What in the world we got to worry about? There's a whole plan laying right there. How God created me in the beginning. I come down here on the earth, taking my place as a gospel preacher, or you as a man or woman with salvation. We live the life by the grace of God. Hallelujah. And that same spirit leaves here that was back in the beginning. I go back with a conscience of knowing I've been here. Hallelujah. And then wait there on the altar, blessed forever and rest. And then when returning back, I take up my body in its very peak of best before death ever struck it. Death strikes you about 22 or 23 years old. You start failing. You're not the man you used to be and the woman you used to be at get about 25. Something set in. Wrinkles begin to come out of the eyes. You can't wash like you used to. 30, you can notice a whole lot. Wait till you get up to 44 like me, and then you're really noticing it. <laughs> but, oh, brother, wait till I get 80, 90, on that king thing there. What is it? God's just putting me in the race to run. But some glorious day, Amen. that death setting in, I was once straight, short, had black hair, and a head full of it, and no wrinkles under my eyes. Look at me now. Shrinking down, shoulders stooping, getting fat and wrinkles under my eyes, bald-headed. Why, look what death's doing to me for about in the last 20 years. Death's doing that. 
Wait till I get 80 if God lets me live and look what I look like. Standing like this on an old cane, shaking like that somewhere, but hallelujah. Some glorious day, death will take its full toll. Then when I rise in the resurrection, I'll be what it was, what God made me here on earth at my very best. In a body not made by Mr. Branham and Mr. Branham, but created by God himself. Free from temptation, free from sin, free from anything else. Never to have a sickness, heartaches, all mine. Then I'll take hold of my little wife's hands and walk down through the paradise of God like Adam and Eve. You'll do the same thing. Not to that gray-headed woman you're leading around tonight calling your wife, but she'll be just as beautiful as she was the day you married her at the altar. Hallelujah. That's what make a fellow shout, isn't it? All right. That's the connection. God is determined when God makes up his mind to do anything, it has to be. Satan spoiled this picture by sexual desire by the woman to bring forth children. He spoiled it, so go ahead and make it. That's all it. This habitation is to pick up these because The only thing that you do in this life is pick up your form and image, what you are. If you're red-headed now, you'll be red-headed then. If you're black-headed now, you'll be black-headed then. See? What you was at your best. And if you, Satan interrupted the picture and you didn't even get what God intended for you to be, you'll be. Oh, how glorious. That is your man. Now, Genesis 2. They, i got to hurry. i get them. You got some? You got, you can, got them to answer? All right. Genesis 2, 18, 21. God made Eve from Adam's rib. Genesis 2, 18, 21. Did God create man and women then? <clears throat> Make Adam and Eve. Uh, Eve and did Cain go to the just creation of man and women for his wife? Now there's, now, <clears throat> I don't, the person's probably present who wrote this. <clears throat> Now, when God, the first question here, did God make man and women of Genesis 2, 18, 21? <clears throat> no. I, 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 but you'll see here, 2, 18, 21, I notice. And the Lord God said, <clears throat> it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmate for him. And out of the ground, the Lord formed every beast and so forth. Now, God made Eve from Adam's side. <clears throat> the woman has one more rib today in the anatomy and the makeup than man does. <clears throat> because a rib was taken from Adam's body, Adam had already been made and was living and was lonesome, and God said it's not good that man should live alone. So, these priests and so forth, which are denied the rights of having a wife. Now that the Roman church can do whatever, that's them. <clears throat> They're the one who has to answer there for that, not me. But I was asked by a man recently, <clears throat> said, what do you think, a priest? said, what do you think about that young priest here in town had took that woman, that girl, a Jeffersonville girl here, and went and married her in the Irish church. You remember, I forget what his name was. I said he had just as much right to get married as I had. That's exactly what I think about. I said, the only thing I hold, I think he done wrong, he ought to went to the church and resigned his office and then went and married the girl instead of just running off like that. Uh, you remember when it taking place a few weeks ago here in Jeff, the Irish Catholic priest down here, he's a young fellow, and he's going, had some girl sweetheart down here, and 
when he, they give him a great big love offering, go to change parishes with him, set him up in Annapolis somewhere, and he just took the love offering, girl and all, went off and got married, and never heard from him no more. Well, he had a right to get married, but he didn't have a right to do that. <clears throat> he shouldn't have done that. He should have went to the, the church and said, here, I'm resigning this office as a priest. I'm going to get married, and that's settled. But now, God making Eve and Adam and Eve at the same time, the only thing he made was the supernatural, the spirit Adam and the spirit Eve. The man and woman, then when he made, put Adam in here, it wasn't good for, see, it's God's picture unfolding all the time. Everything like this is just, it's just coming right down, just unfolding right out, coming out through the millennium over yonder and right on into eternity. Just God's picture just unfolding. God unfolding himself. Here God manifested himself in Christ Jesus to show what he was. What was Jesus? A man of sorrow, acquainted with grief, loving to the prostitute. Where art thou, accusers? I have none, Lord, neither do I accuse you. Go sin no more. Tired and weary from walking about 30 miles that day through the desert sands and things, there was a woman of man coming out and her only boy dead, laying there. He stopped the funeral procession, laid his hands up on the said, rise and the boy who was dead rose up again that that's our lord jesus thank you teddy son and that was our lord jesus he was never too tired never too weary to do anything good all right now here's another thing did cain go to the uh, to the first creation of man and woman for his wife now there is a an awful ticklish question now listen real close now, oh, I've, you've seen people put in the paper, where did Cain get his wife? Oh, I used to say it, and I never taught there was a burning hell for about four years after my conversion. I had to see it in the Scripture. If I don't know it, I won't say anything about it. But now, where did Cain get his wife? Now, that's the, the analysis of this question. Uh, Eden, Cain, go to his wife, to the creation of man and woman for his wife. See? Now, now one of the first, this Mrs. Dior, if you all heard about her healing the other night, how God blessed her and everything when she lay and dying, they come about me at 2 o'clock in the morning. And so, now, that's how I come to her boy, George. The boy was a medium, Ed also. They were in a store, and I heard a discussion back there for the first, where Cain got his wife. Well, the one that had the floor seemed to be the best of the argument. He said, i tell you where Cain got his wife. said, Cain went over and married a great big female ape. And said, out of that ape come forth the colored race. said, you notice the colored person's head's kind of peaked like that, like, like the ape is in the head. Well, I stood there. I was just about two months old in the gospel. I said, I don't want to differ with you, man, because I'm not a student. I just got saved. But I said, if that be so, then the colored race of people would have ceased to exist when the antediluvian destruction, when the world was destroyed with water, or Noah and his family was the only ones that was in the ark. That was the only one that was in the ark. The colored race would have ceased to exist. I said, if that would be so. I said, no, sir. The colored race never come from there. No, sir. The colored race is off of the same tree that we're off of in every human being. The same one. There's no difference. Exactly. We're just all one, maybe yellow, and the other brown, and the other black, and the other white, and the other pale, and the other red, and this like that. But you're all from that same tree. 
That's just the physical part out here. That's right. You're a human being just the same. Created here by God. And now, notice, you're not long ago standing over here and some doctors in Louisville. I was talking about in Africa, how those poor people, the cannibal type especially, how they had a woman there, tuck a little baby, it found a little baby, in, and she'd beat it like that and tied it up to a bush and let it rot for a few days, you know, until it becomes contaminated before they eat it, you know, and then like that, they let it rot a little while, get soft. Well, don't think that too much about the cannibal. In England, they do the same thing. They kill pheasants and hang them in the trees so long as the feathers will drop out of them, then they eat them. That's the mother race of the Anglo-Saxon people in England. That's right. Don't think. You don't have to go to England. Just go down here to the southern states. You find the same thing. Certainly. Any man can eat a snail or, or a rattlesnake and eat anything else. So, uh, now notice. Let, let me tell you. But here's what happened. The colored, the, the colored race has nothing to do with this. Cain. Now, I want you to watch. They said he went to the land of Nod. Now, Cain was in Eden. And Eden, the Garden of Eden, laid east of Eden. Is that right? The Garden of Eden was east of, in Eden. The east side of Eden. And the cherubim was placed in the tree of life was at the east gate of the garden. And that is why I think Cain and Abel made their sacrifice. And therefore the children with a swinging sword wouldn't let them come in anymore. East of the gate. You notice Jesus will come from the east. The light rises from the east. Everything coming. Civilization started in the east and traveling west until it revolves around and catches itself again. We are the Western Hemisphere. That's the Eastern. The Eastern is the oldest civilization. China is the oldest civilization known of by historians in the world today. East. Oh, how we could dwell on these questions for hours on one, but it wouldn't just the others. But notice, here's how many would like to know what we believe that Cain, or who Cain's wife was. Let's see. All right? I'll tell you what Cain done, and it's the only sensible answer you can figure. Cain married his own sister. He had to. For there was only one female on the earth then. The Bible only gives record of three being born. Ham, Sham, or not, I beg your pardon, was Cain, Abel, and Seth. But if there wasn't any, the Bible seldom records a girl's birth. You know that. Now, I'm sure picking on the women tonight. But look, the world worships women. But women was the devil's instrument in the beginning. And an unjust one today is the best instrument he's got. She'll send more preachers to hell than all the bootleg joints there is in the world. Let a little flapper with a cigarette in the corner of her mouth or hair all cuticured up like that and great big long eyelashes to bleak up and down. Brother, a little kind of nice looking physique on her. Watch what she'll do. Preacher, you better cover yourself up with the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's right. Now, don't tell me you're a man. I've seen too much of it. Now, watch here. The best thing to do is keep your mind centered on Jesus Christ. Let your thoughts be pure. Like Paul said over there, said, it's, uh, we know that we have the power to lead a sister. 
I have power to do it, but said, I won't do it. See, he wouldn't do it. He said, I know that the ministry should live by their, the muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. You know, we sometimes think because we're preachers, not you and I, I don't say, brother, but preachers think because they're preachers that, that there's somebody bigger than one of the lay members of the church. You're no bigger than, not no more in the sight of God than that drunkard that was converted an hour ago. That's one thing the Reformation never purged. Was these things, I know I sign my name reverend. That's exactly right. It's just a, a custom thing of the day. But it shouldn't be done. Reverend and bishop and doctor and all those things are man-made titles. And they're nonsense. In the Bible, they were Peter, James, Paul, John, and all the rest of them. Paul said, I hear, I know I preach the gospel. That, that's, that's my duty. I'm a preacher. He's a preacher. Brother Neville's a preacher. But it, that's our duty to be a preacher. That's just what we're supposed to do. But let me do something Paul said that's beyond that. Now, I've got a right to take up money, Paul said, but I'm going to make tents just to show you I like to sacrifice. He says, it's honorable. Marriage is honorable among all. The bed's undefiled. It's good for a man to be married. He said, I've got a right to be married. I could be married. I don't even right to be married. But I just won't get married. I won't do another sacrifice for the Lord. See? Then he said, every man knows his calling. Let him do his, his sums unique for the word of God's sake and so forth. We want to do something beyond our duty. And if you really born again in the Spirit of God, you say, well, it's my duty to go to church. I guess I'll have to go. Oh, my. Well, I want to do more than that. I want to win some souls for Christ. I want to do something. I want to visit the sick or do something for them. It's my duty to preach funerals. It's my duty to preach the gospel. It's my duty to pray for the sick. Let me do something else. Let me get out and do something where God will honor me by. Now, back to Cain. Or Eve was the only female that was created by God. And if she didn't have any daughters, when that last female, the only female, died the human race would have ceased to exist. Is that right? There had been no more females. So she had to have daughters. And Cain married his own sister. For he had to. There was no other place for women to come from. And it was legal and lawful in those days, even for Abraham, and even on down to Isaac, Isaac married his own blood cousin. And Abraham married his own sister. Blood sister. His father, different mothers, but the same father. The germ comes out of the male sex. Sarah, which brought forth the wonderful Isaac. Is that right? There was nobody on the earth then. That was all in type. Showing up the... Here it is, brother. Isaac... Rebecca is the type of the church, and Isaac is the type of the bride, Christ. Is that right? Amen. And they must be blood relations. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Blood relations. So Cain married his sister. And that then he went over there into the land of Nod. Now we get into a deep subject if we went a little farther, and I'm glad you never asked any farther than that. Well, where were those giants that was in that land that day? Josephus and different ones has many arguments on it. Amen. If I didn't get that right, brother, pay it in again Sunday morning. All right. Would you explain Sunday is the first day of the week and Saturday is the seventh day? Christians go to church on Sunday, the first day of the week. 
shouldn't they go on Saturday, the seventh day of the week? Well, now, a dear friend, who asked that, that's a very good question. It's an old question, which is argued among thousands of students today. But could I just let me give my version? This is all I can do. And if I'm not right, well, you, you bear with me. God forgive me, you see, if, if I make it wrong. Now, as far as a law, now it's probably a Seventh-day Adventist person sitting there. That was my first study with Seventh-day Adventists. That's right. With Seventh-day Adventists while I studied first. And when they come and told me that the Saturday was the seventh day, brother, uh, that was according to the Jewish calendar, and the Roman calendar didn't fix it up, and Saturday really was to be Sunday, well, they had me sold on something that I thought was right. And as long as I was reading their literature, I was right in for it 100%. But one day I got a hold of a Bible. I've seen that was different. Now, Saturday is the Sabbath day according to the cycle of the week. Now, we don't know. It's been changed, and we got so many changes, you'll never know just which was, see? Because we, now the Jews claim that we're just about, it's right now about 1970-something, according to their cycle, their calendar. The Roman calendar takes it 1953. And they have another calendar that takes it somewhere else. But that's what makes it prove of Christianity. It's all based back to the birth of Christ, you see. That's where we take it. Now, but now as a seventh day, now there's a lot of Pentecostal people that Sabbath, Sabbatarians, keeps the Saturday the Sabbath. Now, they say there is no word in the Bible for you to keep Saturday, a Sunday as a day. And I'll say the same thing about the Sabbath in the New Testament. Now, Saturday was the Sabbath day that was given to the Jews. Now, it was only given in a space. Now, this may raise a, a, another question to fire back at it, but now notice, when God rested on the seventh day, then the seventh day was not observed, as far as I know, into the Scripture, on until nearly 1,500 years. And in the wilderness, God gave Israel the seventh day for a sign between God, and God rested the seventh day, his memorial, rest day. I'm saying that like that on the benefit of this might be a, a seventh day Adventist brother or sister. See? And they have a lovely church. But now notice, I just differ with them a little bit on, on this question. Now, God hallowed the seventh day. Six days was man. Seventh day was God's rest day, which was a type, a type of the millennium. Now, now notice this, how, how it blends in. Now when Jesus came to the earth, what crucified Jesus was that he didn't keep the Sabbath day. The only two accusations they had against Jesus was that he broke the Sabbath day and made himself God. And he said he was Lord of the Sabbath. He, had, he was also God's Sabbath, and he was God. So they had no way of accusing him. Now, let me just settle this for you and show you what day we're to keep. Now, is there a scripture, I'll ask this for your benefit, is there a scripture, Brother Branham, telling us and authorizing us to keep Sunday just like the Jews kept 
Saturday? No, sir. There's not. Not a scripture in the Bible for in the New Testament for us to keep either Saturday or Sunday. But the reason we keep Sunday is a memorial of the resurrection. Not, now, you will say the Roman Catholic did that. They claim they did it, but if they did, St. Paul was a Roman Catholic. And so was Peter, John, and James, and the rest of them. For they met on the first day of the week for their worship. And according to the historians, the only way they could tell between a Christian Jew and an Orthodox Jew, they both went to synagogues, but one went on Saturday, which denied the resurrection of Jesus, and the other went on Sunday, which believed that Jesus rose from the dead. And that was the mark. And it'll be, it's a mark, yes. And might come out and being the mark of the beast. Now, I know that the uh, dear Seventh-day Adventist brethren think that that's the seal of God. They said you're sealed by keeping the Sabbath. There's not a scripture in the Bible that says that. And here's a scripture in the Bible that says that it's your seal. Ephesians 4.30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed into the day of your redemption, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'll prove to you that God's seal is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. See? That's the baptism of the Spirit is the seal of God. Now, Isaiah 28, he said, Precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Now watch, my uh, dear friends. Now the people who quit work, see, man are trying to find something to save himself. There's not a thing you can do about it. You're saved by grace. God does the calling. God does the saving. You just follow the, the footsteps of God. That's all. You can't say, what's the nature of a man? They try to quit eating meat. They try to keep Sabbath days. They try to do, quit doing this. It's, you're not saved by not eating meat. You're not saved by this, that, or the other. You're saved by grace. Amen. God, by grace, gives you the new eternal life. Amen. See what I mean? And eternal life is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me show you. What does the word Sabbath mean? Anybody know it? Or just raise your hand. Sabbath? Rest, exactly. S-A-B-B-A-T-H, Sabbath day, means R-E-S-T, rest day. Get your margarine in the Bible and look. Rest day. Now, let's go to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, right quick now, and we'll, we're, this is my last question right here, and brother, see if brother Neville has got them there. I know a couple of them is short ones, so we won't keep you too much longer. Now, excuse me, I guess. Now, when you see the word here, rest, then you know that means Sabbath. Now, here's the New Testament. Jesus in St. Matthew, he begins the fifth chapter of St. Matthew, and he begins like this. You have heard them say them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's what was that? The law, commandments. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh upon a woman lusts after her. Changed it, didn't he? You've heard us say that all the time, Thou shalt not kill. But, I say unto you, Changed it, didn't he? Thought he didn't change the law. Alright? He said, But I say unto you, That whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause is killed already. That never was back there in the Old Testament. That's New Testament. He just swept her on in or beyond that. See? He went ahead and gave those commandments out, but he missed to skip the fourth one. 
which is the seventh day. Now, in the seventh chapter, where he ends the Beatitudes, here's what he said. He said, You've heard him say down the whole time, Thou shalt, thou shalt not, and I say unto you different. You heard him say, Tooth for tooth and eye for eye, but I say unto you. You heard him say this, but I say unto you. Now, at the end of it all, he left out the fourth commandment. Now, that was, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest unto your soul. Now, watch. Whosoever commits adultery must be stoned. They had to be right in the act of committing adultery. Is that right? That had to be physically done. Whosoever kills, he had to be a murderer. But Jesus said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman, his soul, spirit, nothing in his body now. His soul was redeemed. It was a man. He is a schoolmaster. See, the law was. Now, he said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery already with her in his heart. Now, he said, You've heard him say, Thou shalt not kill, but I say, Whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, kill already. Now, I said, in other words, about the Sabbath. He said, Come to me, all ye labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest unto your soul. Sabbath unto your soul. Not to the physical body, to your soul. Now, listen, listen to Paul now. If you can just, I know it's hot and everything, it's hot here too. But now, let's get this close now so we'll be sure to Sabbath. Now, Paul, writing to the Hebrews. Who was the Hebrews? Speak out. The Jews, is that right? Now, them was the law keepers, the Sabbath keepers. Is that right? Is that right, brother preacher? They were Sabbath keepers. They were the law keepers. All right. Now, Paul is bringing the Jews by shadows and types, showing them what the law type, the law having a shadow of the good things to come. And he goes ahead and gives it in one place as the moon and the sun, as the the, the moon is just a shadow of the sun shining on some other country, or some other world, and it's reflecting back here. Now, but now, oh, it could not the uh, Hebrews 9. Now notice, now in Hebrews 4, he comes to the Sabbath proposition. Now look, let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us to enter into his rest. Now, Paul speaking to Sabbath keepers now, the people who kept the Sabbath day. Let us fear, lest the promise being left us about a Sabbath day, in other words. Or if you'll notice your margarine, or the keeping of a Sabbath. It's J in mine, of Scofield Bible, or the keeping of a Sabbath. See? All right. Let us fear, lest the promise being left us come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, back into the law, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith to them that heard it. Now that's back under the law. They didn't have faith, folks, and that's the base at all. See? All right. For we which have believed to enter into his rest, as he said, now his rest, now his is Christ's rest. All right. His rest, his Sabbath. I'm, every time I use rest, is, I'm going to use the Sabbath so you understand by keeping of a day. See? For we which have believed to enter into his Sabbath, rest, as he said, I have sworn in my rest, to the Hebrews, they shall not enter into my rest, although, now watch Paul go back to God's sanctified day, 
although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day for a rest or a Sabbath. Is that right? I'm going to lay that there. See? For he spake in a certain place in the law of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest on the seventh day from all his works. There's the seventh day. Now, Paul will admit that. God gave it to him. There was the seventh day. And God did rest the seventh day. He blessed the Sabbath day. He hallowed it. He sanctified it and made it a day of rest. God did do it from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, Jesus speaking. Now, there's another Sabbath somewhere. Where's this? Now, remember this year, God's rest. That seventh day. Paul said they had that in a certain place. But now again, he says, if they shall enter into my rest. Speaking of Jesus and Matthew, seeing that it remains that some must enter in, and to them whom it was first preached, enter not because of unbelief. Again, now listen close. Everybody listen, say amen. amen. Listen. Again, he limited a certain day. He limited a day here. What was it? Everybody said it once. The Sabbath. Is that right? He limited the seventh day of the week as a Sabbath in this place. And again, he limited a certain day. Saying in David, in the psalm, Today, after so long a time, so Jesus comes, you see, the first time, it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. There's another rest coming. Not a physical, a spiritual. Now watch. Well, you say, when we have the seventh day too. Now, hold just a minute. Let's read the next verse. See? Don't get it too fast. All right. For if Jesus had given them, for if, if Jesus had given them rest, rest day, then would he not afterwards have spoken of another day when he changed the law? From the law to the grace, would he given them a day to rest, the rest day of certain days? But he never said nothing about the Sabbath. He never said nothing about Sunday. He never said nothing about Saturday. But here's what he did say, Paul said. Now what? There, 19th, the ninth verse, there remaineth therefore a Sabbath to the people of God. That's today. There remains a Sabbath to the people of God. For he, you or I, who has entered into his rest, Jesus' rest, come unto me all your labor and heavy lady, I'll give you rest. He, you and I, has ceased from his own work as God did from his at the beginning. Amen. There's your Sabbath. Is that right? Amen. Let us labor, said Paul, to enter into that rest. Amen. Amen. Lest any man should fall at the same example of unbelief of days and so forth. See? Yeah. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the divine thunder of the soul and the discerner of the and the uh, let's see of the spirit and of the just a minute divider thunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the mire and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature is not manifested in his sight, for all things are naked and open before his eye of him that whom we have to do. Now look, God rested the seventh day, created the seventh day, give it to the Jews for a memorial. 
I'm speaking of St. Paul now, see, here. Now, you think, he was bringing, you think he had a right? Now, what did he say in Galatians 1.8? If an angel from heaven would come and teach you any other gospel than that what I have said, let him be unto you a curse. See, the gospels are plain. Now, watch. Well, Brother Brandon, now what do I do? Just believe Jesus Christ? No, that's not the rest. Now, if you want to know what, how many like to know what the Christian rest is? Say amen. amen. Now, you can mark it if you want to. Uh, uh, Isaiah 28. He said, Precept must be upon precept, speaking. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. And hold fast to that what's good. The prophet speaking of the time coming about rest. Sabbath, read the whole chapter and see. It think times there when the Sabbath day will be done away and they'll sell shoes on the Saturday the same as they did on Monday here. Whatever more you see. Said when will this time be? Said precept upon precept, line upon line, here little, there little, hold fast to that what's good. For with stammering lips and with other tongues will I speak to this people and this is the Sabbath. The rest that I said that they should enter into, and for all of this, they have hardened their hearts and wagged their heads and re- rejected it. Just the same thing they did on Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell upon the people and the Holy Ghost was first given to the people back there on the day of Pentecost. That is the rest, the Sabbath of the people of God. So the only reason that we keep Sunday started by our ancient fathers of the Bible, St. Paul, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and all them. They went from house to house. they taken communion on the first day of the week when the disciples come together, and it was called not a Sabbath, but the Lord's Day. John said on the Isle of Patmos, it already been officially established in the church, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. That's right. See, and, it, it's all, and now the Lord's Day is... Is the day that the Lord arose. Now you go get the historian Josephus, Agabus, many of those other, or not Agabus, uh, oh, I can't, any of the ancient writers, and you'll find out back there the historians of the church, Fox Book of Martyrs, many of those, and you'll find out there that the only difference here on a group of Jews, one of them they called cannibals. That was a Christian. They said there was a man that Pontius Pilate killed. And the disciples come and stole his body. They got it hid, and every, every mu- Sunday they go eat a part of it. They're taking communion. You see, they're, they're taking his body, you see. They said they're taking their Lord's body, the communion, and they didn't know what it was. And he said they were cannibals. said they go eat on the first day of the week. They'd meet together and eat this man's body. And the only way you could tell whether they were law keepers and bitterly denied the resurrection or whether they was Christian and believed the resurrection, one went to church on Saturday and one went to church on Sunday, which was a mark between them. That's pretty strong, isn't it? All right. Hope that gets it. The Holy Ghost is... Now, you got something there, brother? You want, you want to get that? Let's see right here. Oh, yes. Will the Jews still have... An opportunity to be saved after the Gentile dispensations comes to a close. Oh, my, is that in a dandy? Uh, we ain't got time to go into it real good. But let me tell you. Just you take my word, I'll show you. But if you'll take my word as I explain it to God, then you go look it up, see, and then you'll find out. Because I imagine, I can't see the clock, but I imagine it's past. What time is it? 
Hvad? Hey, past nine. Hey, past nine. I got to go to the hospital yet, and got to go to New Albany yet. And I got to get up at 25 minutes after three in the morning. So, and I haven't been to bed under two or three o'clock any night this week. Now, notice here, quickly now, to get this. Yes, my dear Christian friend, the day of the Gentile is finished. Finishing right now. And the God will return to the Jews. And let me say to this little church, and I'm praying constantly, and prophecies from different parts of the country are pouring in here concerning this. I believe that the Jew, now keep your coats on just a minute. The Jew has never been able to conceive this one thing <clears throat> of the Christian church. The Jew has told me many times, Brother, you can't chop God in three parts and give him to me. The Jew has one God, that's Jehovah. And the Gentile has misconstrued that so much till he's taught it in a way yet with knowledge, I believe he, he has a, a conception of it, that there is no three gods. There's one God. Three manifestations. Three personalities in one person. And when you can get the message, I said to Hyman Appleman, men of you know him, he said, Brother Branham, if you take that message to Palestine with the signs and wonders, said there'll be a million Jews receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. See, that's right. Now, I said, here's the message that we have here. Jesus was Jehovah enveiled in flesh. Come down and veil it. Now, God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not like your finger one, like some uh, people think that the whole thing's just like, no, God, is. I just unfolded it for you a while ago, see? That there's a trinity in the one. I'm a trinity in one. I'm soul, body, and spirit in one person. Is that right? Sure, I'm, I'm made up of, of cells, blood, and nerves, and yet one being, see? Everything you look at is in a trinity, in a trinity in one. There was a trinity in the ark, the bottom floor, the creeping things, the second floor for the fowls, flying things, and the third floor for the Noah and his family. Everything in the tabernacle. There was a congregation, the holy place, the holiest of holies. See? And there's been three dispensations. The fatherhood, the sonship, and the Holy Spirit dispensation. Amen. See what I mean? But those three, all, we don't say, our gods, uh, that's heathen. And the Jew knows that. But when you can make it to him that this Jesus is God, Jehovah God. Not a second person or a third person. It's the same person all the time making itself manifest. See? And then with signs and wonders to prove that Jesus has rose from the dead. And this doctor we had. Brother back there is a teacher of church, a uh, teacher or a school teacher here in the church tonight. I see him. He'll shuck in with his wife and baby back there. He was out there hearing him preach the other night. I think they're here if they haven't gone. Somebody's a school teacher in Louisville. Anyhow, they were out there. They hear him. It's remarkable. The man come to my house. Him and another and a Jew. A few months ago, and he said, Brother Branham, I've got so many degrees from Bob Jones. I've out of Wheaton. All the education that could be piled into him said, I believe God sent us a little boy. And said, still my life is vacant. He says, has the teachers been wrong? And here's the conception. If any, somebody was over the open door the other night when we were pre preaching together. 
He said, when I've got my say-so, now listen, little tabernacle, for your prayers and things that's helped out, listen to this. You told me that for you're at the house. He come to my house, he said, Brother Branham, said, I've been dumbfounded. He said, is there something greater than this what I have believed is accepted Christ as my personal Savior? And I believe that I'm born again of the Spirit, but I have no witness of anything. I said, Brother, as bad as I hate to say it, the teachers has deceived you. You're schooling. Look, as I, I said, I don't believe in summoning your way to heaven. Do you believe this? And the churches, I hear, let me sum to you. The, the, the Bible says this, you believe that. The devil believes and trembles. It ain't what you believe. Your spirit's got to bear a record with his spirit that you're sons and daughters of God. By being born again and receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He said, Brother Ram, what do you think about Pentecostals? Well, I said, that's the reason I'm dealing with them. That's the reason I'm, I'm fooling with them. they got something that you haven't got. I said, with the fanaticism and everything, they've got a truth that you know nothing about. I was talking to one of the greatest men in America right then. Yes, sir. The president of Sudan Missions was the greatest in all the world. Fundamental to this core. He knows the scriptures and the death, burial, and resurrection. Just preach it like a house on fire. That ain't it. The devil can do that too. The devil is just as fundamental as he can be. A brother of Jesus Christ said, Except the man be born of the Spirit of God, he'll not see the kingdom of God. Not just because you say, yes, I believe that. Yeah, I believe that's that way. I believe that. Yes, that don't do it. It's got to be an actual experience of a new birth. It's got to be something between you and God that you know you passed from death to life. I said, Brother Graham, could I receive the Holy Ghost? I said, just lay hands on Hyman Appleman down there. And he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This other Jew come at you crying, broke the glass on the... Little coffee table there, cried a big puddle on there. Both of them said, Brother Branham, how do we receive the Holy Ghost? Scholars, sharpest, witty, the best there is in the land. And I said, the apostolic way of receiving the Holy Ghost is lay hands on them. That's right. Laying on of hands. Ananias come to lay hands on Paul that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Philip went out and preached down there and baptized a whole bunch down there in the name of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost would come on now because Peter had the keys and come down and laid hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. Is that right? Paul in Acts 19, after he passed those apostles, those Billy Graham type up there is having a great big revival and a good time. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed with that bunch of Baptists? They said, we're John's followers. We know Paulus is our preacher. He's a converted lawyer, smartest man in the country. He said, but have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said, we know where there'll be any Holy Ghost in How's you baptized? He said, we've been baptized under John. He said, he baptized unto you, repent, and since you believe on him to come on Jesus Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul laid his hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost, began speaking in tongues and magnifying God. That's as plain as I know the Scripture. Now look, friends, you might be a little different here. In your opinions, because we're mixed up with everything, but let's lay it out. Not try to put your interpretation, say what the Bible says. Just read it this way. I said, the only thing I know, brothers, to lay hands on them is seeking the Holy Ghost. 
He said, will you lay hands and ask God to bless us and give us the Holy Ghost? I said, I will. And we knelt down the floor and I prayed, laid hands on them. And about a few weeks after that, both of them received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when this uh, Dr. Weedhead received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, come through speaking in other tongues. Yes, sir. And the Sudan mission said, we have no place for a man that would speak in tongues. And he comes to me and says, somebody speaking in tongues? Why, why, I said, they have no place for Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ spoke in unknown tongues and died speaking in unknown tongues. They couldn't accept Paul's teaching. Paul spoke with tongues more than all of them. One of them said to me yesterday, he said, I'd rather speak five words with understanding. But Paul's teaching said, covet prophecy and forbid not to speak with tongues. And they're forbidden to speak with tongues. Speaking in tongues is a divine gift of God which belongs in the church just the same today as it was back there in the beginning. Exactly the truth. Yes, indeed. That's the Bible teaching. It's a divine gift, and you deny that just the same as you, you deny the new birth. You deny everything that Jesus taught when you try to cut that out. Amen. Now, you can go wild on that. Many of them have, but I'm saying that has its place. It's just like a pair of shoes. When you buy a pair of shoes, the tongues are in them. That's right. When you're into the body of Christ, God has a whole table set for you. He has love. He has joy. If I went to your table and sat down there, you said, Preacher, come eat with me. I believe you love me. And you had beans and potatoes and carrots and fried chicken and pumpkin pie ice cream, everything sitting there. Well, I believe I'd be just as welcome to the potatoes as I was to the beans. The only thing I believe I'd be just as welcome to the chicken as I was to the pie. It's all on the table. And the only thing I have to do is say, would you please pass me some pie? I believe with a good free heart and your love to me, you'd say, certainly, my brother, have a nice big piece of it. Is that right? I say, would you pass me potatoes? Watch, certainly, my brother, here it is. And every redemptive blessing that Jesus Christ died for and purchased in his atonement at Calvary is sitting on the table and every believer sitting before it. Hallelujah. If I need healing, I say, Father, pass me some healing. And I pour it out on the plate and eat a big... You want to starve to death? Go ahead. Yes, sir. And if prophecy... Speaking in tongues, and, uh, and then the man wrote it there. He didn't know that I spoke, uh, spoke with tongues myself. And he's writing his book. You'll find it. It'll scatter the nations. And besides that, this man has got 25 outstanding ministers of Moody Bible Institute seeking the gift of speaking in tongues. <laughs> the fundamental people turned upside down. The Christian life is... This month, look at Christian Life magazine this month. On page 19, look at that great doctor of divinity. He said, shall we accept this? Have we lost something? Hallelujah. I hear abundance of rain coming. You people twisted around the corner, but it's come to a place that God's giving the Gentile world a shake. With the baptism of the Holy Ghost poured out with all its fullness and powers and signs and wonders. The reason the, whole, the Pentecost had been pushed out on the corner and went wild on different things like that, the time wasn't right yet. That's the reason that all was fanaticism, but that's God's divine promise and God's divine word, and it has to come to pass, for God's done said so. Now, I believe just before the ending of the Gentile dispensation that God will pour out in fundamentalists. You read Reader's Digest this month? This is August, the August issue of it? 
Go look out there while a Methodist preacher down in the pulpit there praying for that man laying there dying in the hospital bed and the witness of the Holy Ghost coming the man was healed instantly. Hallelujah! Sure, God's got divine healing sitting on the table here. He's got prophecy sitting on the table here. He's got speaking in tongues on the table here. He's got nine spiritual gifts in the body and you're welcome to everyone. Hallelujah. Yes, sir, here we are. Will is the close of the Gentiles. Will the Jews be returned? Yes, sir. Many scriptures, sister, brother, everybody has. Joel, for one, what the palm worm left, the caterpillar eat, and so forth. That tree, and Jesus said himself how they would be turned away and everything. All the whole scripture, Daniel and everywhere speaks of it. Yes, Jesus said, when you see the fig tree putting forth its bud, no other time now. I believe this other deal something with it. Do you believe that the Jews, Jews return to Palestine is a fulfillment of the Bible prophecy? We heard you were going to Palestine. Is that true? Yes. Yes, sir. Let me tell you something. One of the greatest, if you want to see what time of year it is, look on the calendar. If you want to see what time of night it is, look at the clock. If you want to see what they were living in, look where the Jews are. That's God's timepiece. And look, the very night, the very day that the angel of the Lord met me, 1946, on May the 7th, at Greensville, Indiana, that same day the Treaty of Peace was signed for the Jews, and they were an established nation for the first time for 2,500 years. Amen. Hallelujah! And tonight, the oldest flag in all the world, the six-point star of David, flies over Jerusalem for the first time in 2,500 years since the carrying away of Babylon. Jesus said, when you see the fig tree putting forth its bud. There she is. There it is. It's a little parable. You say, summer's nigh. When you see this, know that the time's at the door. We're right at the end of time. Look how the abomination of Daniel and so forth. And when Jesus said, when the great prince shall come, he'll prophesy uh-huh, 1,203 score days, which is three years and six months. And that's exactly what Jesus preached. He'd come to the Jews alone. That he would be cut off for a sacrifice for the people in the abomination, make a desolation of Mohammed, set up the Muslim of Omer there, and they would tread down the walls of Jerusalem until. Until what? The Gentile dispensation be fulfilled. Then he will return to the Jews again, and there from the battle of Armageddon takes, the, he called the Gentiles to take a people out for his name, his bride. Notice, yes, sir, the 144,000 are all redeemed Jews that's got to stand there yet. All of these, then when the church is taken up, Moses and Elijah appears, Revelations 11, and preaches Jesus Christ to them, and the Holy Spirit's cut from the Gentiles, and the rapture comes to the church to be taken up, and the Jews of that church will be preached for three and a half years, because he said there's 70 of weeks still determined on thy people. And Messiah should be cut off in between them. When he's taken away, the Gentiles be given a place, and then they got three more years and a half to be preached to of Jesus Christ. Sure, the Jews are coming. And I believe, brother, that when we get there to Palestine this time, oh, I pray. They're reading that Bible. 
Just one more or statement. Then I got a little short question here. And that's all. This one here, I think, is a prayer. Look at this. Dr. Wheathead said, standing there talking to a smart Mohammed. Now, put your ears up close. A Mohammed. I had around 20,000 of them come to the Lord Jesus when they seen the signs and wonders there in Africa. This oh, 20,000, this 30,000, oh, I guess there's 10,000 of them come. Well, the big majority was, was Muhammad. And when they stood there and I said, which one of your prophets at the temple can make this man whole? I said, which one of your idols to you natives can make this man whole? I said, neither one of them, no prophet at the temple and no priest, rather. And I said, no idol could do it, and neither could I. But God of heaven has raised up his son, Jesus Christ, who's alive among men today, who's made him perfectly holy, as you see him standing. A man with a chain around his neck, leading like a dog, and one minute's time was standing on his feet and arm went well. And the doctor we did told me the other night, we were sitting there in the car, he said, oh, my. Thinking of it. He said this Muhammad come to him and said he was talking to this Muhammad, a very scholarly man. He said, uh, well, uh, uh, sir, why don't you ex- renounce your old dead prophet, Muhammad? Now remember, Muhammad's believe in God. Out there in, in Africa, a great ball on a dog hangs up like that, and they take a great big rubber hammer and hit it like that, and it rains out over the country, and every Muhammad stops, and the priest walks out the top of the temple and says, there is one true and living God. And Muhammad is his prophet. That's Ishmael's children, see? Hagar. They're sons of Abraham, out of Hagar. See? They believe in the true Jehovah God, but they think Jesus, that was, he's our Redeemer. Sent to the Gentiles, from the free woman, Isaac. See? And through Sarah. And now they was through Hagar, Ishmael, and come to Muhammad. And at the grave of Muhammad, you should go look at striking the great tomb there. And for 2,000 years, there's been a white horse saddle standing there. Mohammed promised that he would rise from the dead someday and would jump onto that horse and conquer the world. And every, every moment he just changed one horse from another, waiting there with a faithful guard standing waiting for Mohammed to rise from the dead. Two thousand years has passed since him. They believe in Jesus. They said he was a prophet. On the walls of old Jerusalem is a great big shrine built. That's for Mohammed to come to. And a little bitty shrine down here, that's for Jesus. See? They said Jesus wasn't crucified, but it was all mixed up that, that he got on a horse and rode off. See? Now they, they believe that. They got a red dot between your eyes. The folks there that's going to end you, you'll notice it. Now they're standing there by the thousands. And then Dr. Reedhead said he was standing there, and he said, Now why don't you forsake that old dead prophet and receive one who's rose from the dead? A living Christ! Now he was a scholar, and he knows how to place his words. Said, and Mohammed looked at him, smart, educated man right here in America, had been educated here. He said, Sir, kind sir, what can your resurrected Jesus do for me any more than my dead prophet has done? Said, My dead prophet promised me life after death. That's what your Jesus did. Well, he had something. Said, Now both of them wrote a book. You believe the one that Jesus wrote, I believe the one Muhammad wrote, they both promised life. Said, what can your Jesus do any more for me than my, my Muhammad can? 
Well, the man's simple fact is the truth. He said, but just a moment, kind sir. He said, my Muhammad never promised me things like your Jesus did. Your Jesus promised, they said he rose up and was going to be with you all the time to the end of the world. And the same signs and wonders that he did, you would do also plumb to the end of the world. You would heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers and cast out devils. Said, I studied Christianity thoroughly. Said, now let me see you teachers produce Jesus Christ. And now I believe he rose from the dead. But outside of that, Muhammad never promised us such things as that. He just promised us life after death. And that's the very same things that you teach and bypass the other. The man was right. The Mohammed was exactly right. Dr. Weehead said he stood in crowd. said, Brother Brandon, I thought of you. And he rushed over here and went in there and laid hands on him. And the baptism of the Holy Ghost come upon him. And now he even sees visions and everything. Amen. Now that's the Mohammed meeting. He's a different man. I say our Jesus rose from the dead. He's living today. He does the same things today. He did then. All kinds of signs and wonders. And you fundamental people are sitting around trying to explain all that and missing the very fundamental part of the Bible. Exactly right. Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God, can speak with other tongues through you. He can prophesy through you. He can show visions through you. He can interpret unknown languages through you. And all of that is part of him. And to take this part of him and leave that part of him would be like cutting me half in two and taking my hips and my legs down and say, you've got me when this part you won't receive. You either have to receive me fully, and that's the reason I'm a full gospel preacher. That means that everything God said is the truth. Amen. 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 Glory. I feel like a holy roller right now. Yes, sir. I believe it. Matthew 24, 29 speaks of the sun being darkened. The moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven. Will this happen before or after the rapture, or just before Jesus comes to all right, reign on earth? To my humble belief, now, I wouldn't, I don't know, I think it's speaking in Matthew 24 there. Now, Jesus speaking of the stars and things falling, I believe that is just before the uh, tribulation period sets on earth. Now, I have a real funny uh, a thought here that many of you are going to disagree with me on this. Uh, imagine with some of the old timers here in teaching that we went through it. See, I don't believe the church will go through the tribulation period. I believe the church will, look. I all, only way I teach the New Testament is by the Old Testament shadow. Just like the Holy Ghost here for the Sabbath day and so forth. Everything is a shadow back there. Now look back in the Old Testament when you see the plagues falling. They were in Egypt, wasn't it? And God was bringing his people out to the promised land. Is that right? And Israel never received one plague. Just as the plagues before it went, they went into Goshen. Is that right? And the sun never did dim out. No mosquitoes come, no frogs was there, no lice was there, no storms was there, no lightning was there, no killing of the cattle was there, and everything they had was preserved in Goshen. Is that right? It's a type 
of the church going just before the tribulation period. Jesus said, when these things begin to come to pass, lift up your hand. Your redemption is now. See, I believe that the moon and sun and stars, and they said, to, oh, go ahead and read, said, and man run and hid themselves in the and fell upon her, uh, sought to kill themselves and couldn't do it and everything. I believe that takes place just before the tribulation. Now watch. The tribulation comes. When the tribulation strikes, the church grows up. Now remember, just an ordinary church without the Holy Ghost goes through the tribulation period. It's only the elect that goes through. Oh, I could rub something hard here just for a minute. Would you give me three more minutes? Amen. What is the, the raptured people called? The remnant. Is that right? Amen. All right. I, I mean, it's, it's the bride. Now, the remnant was left. Now, when a woman goes to cut out a pattern for a skirt, you talk about it, she lays the goods out. Is that right? The piece of goods. And she lays her pattern down on this. She does the fixing where the pattern is to be cut. Right? Oh, brothers. This really do you good. Who does the electing? God does the electing. Is that right? Amen. Not me to say, it's him to say. And he places a pattern over who he will. Is that right? Amen. Now there were ten virgins went out to meet the bridegroom. Is that right? What is virgin? Virgin means pure, holy. Is that right? What is a virgin girl? This is a girl who's never been touched. She's a virgin. What is anything that's pure, like virgin olive oil? It means it's been distilled until it's in its virgency. It's pure. What is virgin gold? Is when all the dross that's went through the heat and everything and boiled out all the dross. Is that right? All the iron and the pyrite and everything else has been boiled out and it's just in its virgency. Now there were ten went to meet the bridegroom. Jesus said so. Is that right? How many agree with that? Say amen. amen. Ten went to meet it. Now what? All of them were holy. Well, in order to be holy, they had to be sanctified. Because that's the only cleansing, holy stream that God has is sanctification. Is that right? Now watch. All ten of them were sanctified, but five didn't have any oil in their land. And five had oil in their land. Is that right? What does the oil represent? Now, not the purity, the virgency. Oil represents the Holy Spirit. Now, if I say this to and hurt a little bit, I don't mean it in the way I do. Now, you excuse me. And don't stay away from church. I'm only in the pulpit here to try to help, you see. Now, look. Let me show you. There's not a church on earth to live any more pure than the Nazarene in their teaching. Pilgrim holiness and that. Is that right? They absolutely believe in the purity of sanctification, not even to their women wearing rings and anything. Purity and sanctification, every way, they believe it. The holiness organizations, all the legalists, that's their teaching, they believe it. Holiness. Women with long hair, long skirts, man ain't even supposed to roll his sleeves up, many of them. Everything, not even touch, smoke, drink, anything, nothing up, see? Holy, you couldn't live any cleaner. But that same Nazarene church, if a man would speak in tongues in the church, would be shot out the door. They said they wouldn't even sit with one. Now that's true. 
If you don't believe it, try it once. Find out. Find out once. They hate the very thoughts of it. They said it's the devil. Five of them, ten of them were virgins. Five was wives that had oil in their land. And the other five were just as pure and holy, but they had no oil. They were sanctified without the Holy Ghost. There's three that bear record in earth, the water, the blood, the spirit. St. John 5, 7. First John 5, 7, rather. Said there are three that bear record in heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. These three are one. But there's three that bear record in earth, water, blood, and spirit. They're not one, but they agree as one. Now, you can't have the Father without having the Son. You can't have the Holy Ghost without having Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. They are one. They're inseparable. But you can be justified without being sanctified. And you can be sanctified without having the Holy Ghost. Be clean, live a pure life, and have a form of godliness and deny the power of healing and speaking in tongues and the great gifts of God in every one of them in there. There's your five wise virgins who had oil in their hands. Raptured faith, believing in all the signs, wonders, prophecies, and everything. And these five, cut out of the rim, was taken away, and the rest of them were still virgins and will not be lost, but will go through the tribulation period. Jesus said they'll be, and they said, they said, give us some of your oil. We want the Holy Ghost now. Now, anyone knows that the Holy Ghost, Zachariah 4, James 5, 14, all knows that it, it represents the Holy Ghost. Now, they said, that's the reason we anoint with oil, represent the Holy Ghost. Now, the oil is the Spirit, the Bible says. Now, these had the Holy Ghost, and these were sanctified. These were sanctified plus the Holy Ghost. Believe in all the phenomenals and everything of God's power, everything God spoke of, you ever had it. Believe it. These were taken out. And these said, give us to us now, so we just got enough to get in with. And away they went in the rapture. And they said, go buy from those who sell, Jesus, they said. And they went to try to pray through them to receive the Holy Ghost, but the Gentile dispensation had been finished. And the persecution rose. And he said they were cast into outer darkness where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But in the second resurrection, there will be the sheep that separated from the goats. But never the bride. Never the elect. That's the remnant of the seed of the woman. What is the remnant? The piece that's cut left. Same kind of goods. Is that right? You're going to cut your dress out of calico, you spread out a big piece of calico and cut it out. It's your business where you lay the pattern. It's God's business where he lays the pattern. He cuts you right out. Is that right? And now this rest of this calico left here is just as good a calico as in the dress. Is that right? But it's God's election. God elects his church. God predestinates his church. God ordains his church. And he takes that church out and the remnant is left to go through the tribulation period. And that's where many Bible scholars today get mixed up thinking that the bride's over under the tribulation. The fellow said to me, so I couldn't tell you, Brother Brad, said so I seen the bride up in heaven, the dragon spurting water out of his mouth, make war with the bride and the 144,000, which is the bride standing on Mount Sinai. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You got it all mixed up. The bride was in heaven and the remnant of the woman's seed, not her. Not the pattern, the remnant. 
was there and the persecution the Roman Empire when Catholicism would consolidate and they'll unite their powers together with the great church. Well, they got it right. It on television the other night. The Methodist church is trying to unite. Methodists and Baptists and all the full churches of Christ are trying to unite with Catholicism and stand before one plain order. What does the bishop say when he's put on trial the other night over there to be a communist? I stand looking at it on television myself. All the bunches of them. And when that time comes, there'll be a persecution rise and the Holy Ghost will fall and Methodists and Baptists and all will speak with tongues. Praise God and heal the sick and prophesy and all the signs and wonders will be coming. The elect will go up and the remnant will be left here to go through the tribulation period. And at the end of the time, when they see what has happened, they'll have to go down in martyrdom. And look, you say, well, now, Brother Brandon, do you mean to tell me there's going to be, uh, the, the, that people is going to be there to wipe those judgment? They'll, the bride will never be judged. Amen. No, sir. She's in Christ. Amen. How do you get in Christ? By one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Is that right? Now look. Look here. The Bible said judgment was set. And the books were open. Is that right? Books to sinners. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And every man was judged us. Is that right? And who was doing the judging? Jesus and the saints. He said, He came to minister who is like ancient of days, whose hair is like wool, and said, Ten thousand times ten thousands come with him and minister to with him in the judgment. Yeah. Here Jesus returns as king and queen, the wedding is over. And he's married. Here's king and queen sitting here, and there stands that sanctified bunch. God says, Stand to my right side. Here's, that's the book that was open with sinners. Get over on my left. Here's the ones that had their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. He said, Brother Brown, my name's written there. I'll go. Wait a minute. Judas is a carrot, was sanctified. Whew, brother, wake up now. Pete's still getting this, you see. Judas is a carrot. His spirit is the Antichrist today. You know that. Jesus was the Son of God, came from God, returned to God. Judas was the Son of Perdition, came from hell and returned to hell. Jesus taken the repented sinner with him. Judas taken the unrepented with him. If thou be, if, if, if you be divine, he will do this. If thou be this, do this. See that question mark across God's word. The days of miracles is past. If it is, show me this. If, if, if. See, it's all true. God said, now watch. Judas Iscariot was justified by faith and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and was baptized. The Bible said Jesus baptized his disciples. All right. St. John 17, 17, before he could send them out, he said, Sanctify them, Father, through the truth. Thy word is the truth. And he was the word. Even before the atonement was made, in other words, as a preview, Father, of my shed blood, I sanctify these. He gave a power against unclean spirits. And they went out. And they cast out devils. Is that right? Amen. And they healed the sick. Is that right? Amen. And they come back sanctified, rejoicing, jumping, shouting, and praising God. Is that right? Amen. And he said, even the devils is subject to us. And Jesus said, don't you rejoice because the devil is subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in the book of heaven. Amen. Is that right? Amen. And Judas is carried was with him. One of them. Called out, sanctified, and his name written in the Lamb's book of life. 
Read Matthew 10 and see if that's not right. He called each one of them, Judas, every one of them, right down there, and sent them out to give them power against unclean spirits. Now watch! Put on your shockproof vest. But when Judas come right up to that church there as a treasurer church, working with the pastor, the, Jesus, but when it come time to Pentecost, he showed his colors. He showed what he was. Amen. And with, a, with enough decency about him, he destroyed himself and hung himself on a sycamore tree to fulfill the prophecy. And that spirit of Judas will come right up and believe the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Jesus said, the devils believe and tremble. He'll come right up and teach sanctification just as pure a holy life as it can be. But when he comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit, he'll deny it. He'll show his colors every time. There's that spirit move. And Jesus said, beware. Matthew 24 again. The two spirits will be so close together till it would deceive the very elect. Is that right? Or that patterns of land, brother, better believe in old-fashioned Holy Ghost preachers around here and get right with God. <laughs> That's right. Don't have a form of godliness and deny the power there. Amen. Amen. Everybody feeling good. Amen. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Streets of glory, 
Don't let you get out of bed. Yeah. 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 Yeah